Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Transforming Trauma, I'm Eve. In my day job as a clinical social worker, it's all about problem solving and supporting people through major life transitions. I am driven by my belief in the healing power of our relationships with each other and with caring professionals. On this show, you'll hear from many colleagues and courageous trauma survivors who have chosen to share their stories of recovery. They believe, just as I do, that it's time for a new narrative about sexual violence that does not require survivors to perform victimhood. Our hope is that sharing their stories will be helpful to you, the listener. We've often changed their names and taken steps to make sure they feel protected. I'm humbled by the opportunity to host them and hope you'll hear yourself in these conversations and realize you're not as alone in the struggle. Maybe it'll inspire you to connect with someone you love about your own recovery. Transforming Trauma is presented in partnership with Rachel Grant Coaching, and more resources can be found at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now on to the show. I'm so excited to announce Rachel Grant, who's with us for this episode of Transforming Trauma. It's a very special evening. Um, it's been a couple of years now since Transforming Trauma was born into existence, and I'll never forget the day. I remember being outside of my work office and just kind of brainstorming with, with Rachel, kind of leaning into what a new possibility for our collaborations together. And I couldn't really believe like the idea of me having like a podcast segment within the Beyond Surviving podcast. And yeah, it just like has been such an incredible journey and part of my healing and recovery to have this like routine creative outlet is how I often think about it where I've been able to lean into my edge of like the messiness of of quote unquote like producing something and like not needing it to be perfect and allowing there to be room for growth like knowing I could always get better and continue you know finding like a mic that works for me or finding like, you know, aiming towards a goal of like what types of guests I would bring on and 
Um, Rachel's just been such a cheerleader as she is for all the people in her life, I'm sure, um, just like every step of the way. And um, it's been wonderful to feel her support and now to have her here for a, a special conversation. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you, Eve. Oh my goodness. Yes, I am thinking back to that day too. And you are already supporting me. We had already started to kind of collaborate in some interesting ways. One of my favorite things that's unfolding in the world of my work is how graduates are becoming more and more a part of the team of people that I get to work with every day. And you were there doing that. And yeah, absolutely. Just in that space of, hey, what about? And for me, that's always one of my favorite things about collaboration and just creating space for opportunities to happen. And the best things get born out of it. This Transforming Trauma series has really been this extra little, like, um, you know, touch of spice every single month. <laughs> that people can look forward to and tune into and exactly that kind of watching you grow right you know I was starting I was still kind of in the early days of the podcast myself so it's so nice to be here just connecting with you today and looking forward to to chatting and catching up and and having a great conversation for sure thank you absolutely I'm reminded actually a year ago like this month um, obviously at the beginning of the pandemic, I was sitting in the same room um, in front of the same mic and camera. And I haven't done many video recordings of Transforming Trauma, but I did get to do one with um, Emmy from Blooming Forward, um, mm -hmm. who has like a major kind of Instagram following and new coaching practice as of this past year. But she had said that Transforming Trauma and Beyond Surviving Podcast was one of the first like resources that she found when she was looking for podcasts and nice. fast forward to today, like she's done so much amazing work. And I just remember that gave me such pause because it just feels like the podcast community and even like coaching world has just like evolved and changed so much in the past several years that it's kind of amazing that there are like more <laughs> trauma coaching oh resources of sorts, but also I've been just reflecting lately on how unique it is like what work you're doing and, and we're doing and just like a lot of people say like who's like a sexual abuse recovery coach like I just remember when I first saw that nobody because I made up the title <laughs> exactly but like little did you yeah. know like little you know how many people would I don't know you tell me when you first started doing this was there like a coach with every type of name like a dog coach oh and a plant coach, coach. Yeah, well <laughs> truth exactly yeah that's so true that's so true I mean I want to just give a nod to this podcast in general I think it's really tricky when you're when you're creating content like this that you don't necessarily get immediate feedback um, and that's okay that's not what we're necessarily doing it for but what is fascinating to me is how many people do start to you know kind of name oh I first heard you on the podcast and then I this and that it's almost like this becomes such a it's like a front door for people. It's a, a gentle way for, you know, folks who are exploring healing from sexual trauma to dip their toe in. And I think, uh, you know, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. I'm going to give you a, a pat on the back because I think we really take it up a notch. And what we're trying to accomplish by way of these conversations is to 
really bring people not just, you know, information, but things they can do, strategies. This is one of the things I so appreciate about the segments that you do. There's always this little nugget of, and why don't you try this? Or here's something that I do. So, you know, when I first started out just in general in this work, I was graduating, you know, from a master's in counseling psychology. And there were a couple of coaching classes or frameworks like that framework was introduced in the program, but it certainly wasn't like the thing, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. As soon as I had that first like group coaching class, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly how I want to show up, how I want to interact with my clients, the approach that I want to take. So I started researching and I could not find anybody who was working with sexual trauma through the lens of coaching. Uh, many, 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 many years later, I did happen upon a couple of people who were parallel to me, but uh, it just wasn't popular enough and didn't have enough traction yet. So yeah, uh, in the name of carving my own lane, I just said, okay, well, I'm just going to call myself this. I, start, I actually started out as a trauma recovery coach, but I soon changed that <laughs> to be more specific um, because trauma was just not clear enough. It was bringing in all sorts of things like people with TBIs and things like yeah, that. Yeah, the power of naming things. Yeah, um, exactly that. And here we are 14 years later, right? Hmm. 14 years. 14 wow. years. Do you it's celebrate so, that as an anniversary? Yes. Oh, yeah. I celebrate the day? hard. Yeah. <laughs> Every January, I have a full on like, yeah, because, you know, this is, first of all, the fact, you know, I went full time, full time in 2014, I think it was. Mm. And um, so just the liberation factor for me, um, especially starting from the place of God, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of doubt. Like, is this even going to work? How is this going to happen? Who's going to call me up and talk about like, I was sexually abused and let's have a conversation. I don't know you, but let's, but it's been beautiful. The fact that, you know, I mean, what we both know that people who go through trauma, yeah, there's sometimes a lot of fear, but there's also a lot of determination that comes. And when you are resonating with something, something speaks to you going ahead and taking that action becomes a little bit more doable. So every January, I have a little celebration in honor of all of the men and women who have trusted me along the way, who have given me the gift of being their mentor and their guide. Um, and I celebrate all of my growth and how much, you know, every year, you know, it's just learning new things and continuing to grow as a person, as a coach, as a mentor, as a leader, as, you know, these sorts of things. Yeah. Mm, I love that. And one thing I, one of many things I've learned from you is the value and like transformative nature of like celebrations and rewards. I know that that's something we talk about a lot with beyond surviving clients. And it's definitely something that I, I use in my other clinical work and my personal life. And it's interesting that in my own like social work training, that's not really something I've talked about. So I feel like when I first started working with you, I was like, this is different. And now I have such appreciation for it. It's like, so obvious, like, you know, <laughs> reinforce the good and yeah. celebrate and enjoy. And it's, it's just like in the realm of like positive psychology, like, why are we so focused on the brokenness mm -hmm. and deficits and mental mm -hmm. illness and 
PTSD, like when the flip side is like our wellness, our, our joy, our gratitude, our abundance, what lifts us up. And I feel like you just exude that when I, when I think of you, I think of like the flip side of almost like the mental health care system. Like this is what's possible. Awesome. You know, That's this is dope. your, this is your potential. <laughs> I feel like antidote. you don't. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just want to say too, that people ask me sometimes like what the most healing modality or system is that I've encountered in my recovery. And I always come back to like survivor community. And I also think of you when I think of survivor community and I could not have known that when we first met, cause it was, you know, us working together one-on-one. And then um, even like when I was doing the podcast at first, it was just me in my room talking to myself, you know? Right. And I was like, yeah. something's not right here. What like, What's where, where are my people? <laughs> like that's a, a strength yeah. of mine is like my relationships. It's how we're traumatized in relationships and it's how we heal in relationships. And I always remind myself and others of that. So yeah, it's been beautiful to your point mm-hmm. about like alumni just to so organically feel drawn. I'm like, can I interview this person? Like, it's just like I encountered so many incredible people through the survivor community that that you have mm-hmm. grown, planted, seeded. I don't know what to say, like nourished. <laughs> I mean, you probably are, are humble and will just say that you like created this container or whatever. I'm going to just say like, you know, you, you do so much to tend and support like these relationships in so many little and big ways. Like I I could just go on forever about it. Like the volunteer program to support the healing from sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, We can link to that in in the show notes if people are interested in connecting in that space if you aren't already, but it's, you know, there are people who are trained and every day supporting people, developing relationships helping make yeah. connections to resources. And I'm just like blown away by how transformative survivor community is and mm-hmm. how one person such as yourself has been able to build a team and build like, you know, engagement. It's not, there's so many like online spaces these days where you can engage. So mm-hmm. I, just, I mean, I'm going in lots of directions here, but my point is just that there's something very unique that you've been doing. And Thank I'm you. just so grateful to be part of it. A small part. Not a small part. No (laughs) way, Chica. Uh, Yeah, you are integral to the Beyond Surviving spaces and communities. Um, uh, One of the things that, you know, as I was developing the Facebook community, I started out really under this. um, I actually was hiding a little bit in it because I first called it Real Talk with Rachel. I didn't even own it fully, like what we were really up to there. And um, I can't remember when I pivoted, probably about, I want to say three or four years ago, but all the, you know, there were maybe about mm, 1500 people in that group under that lens and kind of there talking and connecting. And then I can't even remember what made me do it or why I did it, but I just said, that's, this is not what this group is. What this group is, is healing from sexual abuse. So all I did was go online. I changed the title of the group. And the next day there were a thousand more people in that group. Like almost, I, I'm like exaggerating a little, but let's say in a couple of days. Okay. Wow. And I immediately was like, oh man. Okay. The door is open. Wow. People have been waiting to come in. 
wow. and here they are. And they just kept arriving and arriving and arriving and arriving. And I thought, okay, there's no way, there's no way I can keep up. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about how many, how many are we at now around at like 5,500? Yeah. Wow. And usually about, we're growing at about a hundred people a month, um, which just speaks to the devastation that sexual trauma is causing, you know, in this country, around the world. Um, we have a very beautiful community of people from all kind of shapes and spaces and places and, you know, identities and all of that, which I am really proud of. But I just had one of those moments, Jocelyn, in the world of what is it that I'm really trying to create here? Because I can, I want to be engaged. I never wanted it to become something where I was just like the, the brand or the face, you know, of a thing, but not really there, not really connecting with people. But I also knew at the pace that people were posting their questions and needing support. And so that was a real stretch growth opportunity moment for me. Um, what are you going to do? And that, that's why I just started the, the volunteer team. And this volunteer team now, like they're so interconnected. They're, all, they're their own little beautiful community themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And I could not. And you served on that. You served as a facilitator on that. Like you got me going. You helped me think through the training of that. Like that was really integral, the work that we did together to come up with how do we even train people to do this? <laughs> because yeah, some of them have backgrounds but we all know that just because you have training, that doesn't necessarily even mean much sometimes, but many of them are just people who've had the experience and they want to give back to their community, which is a beautiful thing. So I'm really thankful for all of them and the, the work that you did there and contributed towards helping me to build that community and create that structure so that that container, container can really thrive and be a place where exactly as you say, we heal so much just from hearing each other's stories even just having a place where you can say the shit that's on your mind and you mm -hmm. can get it out there and you can name it um, is such a freeing, healing thing. So uh, mm -hmm. that in many other ways <laughs> that you've influenced and supported me along the way and the work that I do. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Your comments just now reminded me of something I've been processing lately around like when one is not heard in their family system, mm. they kind of need to go elsewhere to survive and look for places and people who can hear them. And I feel like that just really rings true for a lot of the people I've met within the beyond surviving community world. And just wondering if you have anything to say about how that has shown up in, in your experience in terms of breaking the silence. Yeah, well, you know, my favorite word is family. <laughs> And uh, it's really so in my own life. And I think it's certainly the case for so many people um, who've experienced trauma and have been rejected or ostracized or not believed by their family of origin, maybe all or at least parts of the members of their family of origin. And, you know, that kind of dismissal, that kind of outcasting, um, it really takes a hit to our sense of self. Ultimately, family is supposed to be this place where we feel the most connected, the most seen, the most understood. These are the people who hold all of our history, our legitimate origin. And man, that wounding is deep. But the beauty 
what I have witnessed and what I've seen certainly in so many of my clients and in the participants in the, the Facebook group is that it's not a replacement, but man, can it do a lot, a lot, a lot. It can go a long, long way to know that there are people there who really see you, hear you. You know, one of the things that Brene Brown says that I just love about connection is that it happens when you feel seen, heard, and valued without judgment. Mm -hmm. So this is exactly why people are, you know, struggling with their family because they're not being seen or heard or valued without judgment. And so to have a place where they can come and get that, you know, I think that's a beautiful, amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It makes so much sense. And it's, it's a sign of resilience, right? That when you don't get your needs met, you keep hunting until you find it. Where else? Like Where else? Where else? Where else? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. That's right. That's right. It's, you know, I, I think that in this, in the context of creating community, it's for me, the thing that will most live on after me is my hope, right? Like there are certain things that may not continue, but I think that world, even if it's not the exact Facebook group, (laughs) but I think that what I, I think the people who come into these communities and come into like the beyond surviving world really get it on a very deep level, how critical it is that we create connection, that we create community and that we keep doing that. Um, because it's really what sustains us in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. I'm thinking about like as a survivor and a, a coach and a therapist and recognizing how many people with trauma histories, you know, devote their careers and purpose in life to giving back, becoming a helper, going into some sort of helping profession. Like if you might share like what, are some challenges, if any, <laughs> that, you know, you experience or have experienced um, doing this work and also having your own history, like kind of those bad days or months, like, you know, what, what mm-hmm. is a challenge you've experienced and how do you work through it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, that's a, that's a long list because, you know, I think just in my own process of healing, you know, by the time I said, all right, I'm going to give this a shot and see if the things that I've done that seem to have really helped me shift things, uh, experience myself differently, experience life differently, wake up to the world differently. uh, Let me see if this actually could work for other people. Uh, I think the, the very first hurdle that I had to overcome was just giving, like overcoming that fear. At that time in 2007, Um, I had just gone through this terrible divorce and I was in many ways disconnected from community. I had, I was going to church at the time. So I did have that community. Um, I had the family that I was working for still as a nanny, love those kids, but uh, you know, and so I went to the pastor at the church where I um, was still going and I just brought it up and said, Hey, I think I want to put together a class. But at that time, I didn't have any formal, formal training. I just had some instincts. I had a book that could, mm-hmm. you know, help me create a little bit of structure. And then I was adding on kind of the, oh, my own things that I thought would be helpful and meaningful. So one of the first, like, a lot, a lot of times, 
even till still today, after 14 years of doing this work, uh, after actually I did get my master's in counseling psychology, I did get some training. I still get grief from people. What are you doing? You shouldn't be doing this work. What the hell is a coach doing? Blah, 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 blah. Mm. And so I'm very thankful for those early days of like really having to face this idea of like imposter syndrome or like, am I good enough? Am I qualified enough? Um, who am I to really step in and, you know, all of that. Those were some of the first hurdles that I had to really overcome. And then I, I think as you, as I started to move and get really comfortable and confident in at least the coaching side, like, Hey, I think I've got something here. <laughs> I think this works. And I think, I think I'm good at this. Um, then the other side became the, but how do I run a business? Right. Exactly that. Like, Whoa, there are a lot of moving parts here and I've got to be a CEO and I've got to market and I've got to, you know, think about advertising and I've got to think about branding. And I just like, there was just this mountain of things, but it reminded me in many ways of like the mountain of trauma that I felt like I had to unpack. So a lot of the same kind of strategies that I used to break down trauma into like its little bitty parts, take it bit by bit, not mm -hmm. try to do too much all at once. I then took that and tried to apply that to how I approached building my business. And, you know, there were things that I dreamed of when I um, started imagining what the world of Rachel Grant coaching would look like. Um, what would it include? What would it involve? What would I be doing? I had a long list and a lot of it felt really like impossible. Like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get there. One of those things was doing uh, retreats. And last year I did a retreat, <laughs> I did it, right? Live retreat in person this year. I'm going to be doing that again. We're going to do it virtually just so that everybody can stay safe because uh -huh. we're not quite yet out of the woods with all this stuff. But my partner, Ashley Easter, and I are coming together again this year to do Emerge, Unleash Your Empowered Self, which is this beautiful, talk about creating container and community, right? And now I'm doing it in partnership with Ashley and this space where women can just kind of drop in and really begin to explore how to step into their full empowered self you know, how to do things like feel their feelings, really be embodied, um, build that sense of support and community that you're not doing it all on your own. I mean, that's one thing that's for damn sure is there's no way that I could do any of this without all of the people along the way who have backed me up, supported me and encouraged me because as many naysayers as there have been, there have been way more people mm. who have said, go for it, keep going. You're doing great. Wow. This is amazing. I just love that. I like almost have the, the chills. I'm just having such a moment of like clarity of like, I don't want to take my power away and giving it to all the people who've come before me, but it's not a coincidence that I love to partner and collaborate. Like it again, just feels like, and I, pay it forward doesn't even kind of quite capture it. It's just feels like I'm imagining like a circle and I, I sometimes joke, we're part of a club. No one wants to be a part. Like no one wanted yes, to be a part girl. of it. <laughs> <That's laughs> Here right, we are. Girl. I'm sure yeah. I took that from someone else, but yeah. I don't remember who. But I, I'm just, you know, right now I'm planning a, a little fundraiser yoga meditation event next weekend with a, a, a sister friend of mine, you know, collaborator. And 
it just feels so like natural and right mm-hmm. to like not do things alone when you can do them with other people and share the work and share the fun. And you have just said such a good example of that, like that, that is part of the dream, like yes. to lift up other people. And that feels like so in line too, with the podcast, like I feel like it started and I've been thinking a lot about like what it means to be like a, a white woman in particular and like how mm-hmm. to decenter like my story from the work that I've been doing because so much of my advocacy and coaching interests sort of came from my own experiences and my own recovery. Yeah. And so you always give me a lot of food for thought in terms of like what it means to like own my story and name it, but also like it's not about me, like kind of step out, mm-hmm. out of the way and mm-hmm. like allow myself to like live my like story and lessons like just through how I show up and to like make space and lift up other people like it's just yeah it's been an interest I mean you've seen me through through this process it's like a coming out sort of growth process every every month and year new new milestones and it's incredible just to see to like shift into like the beyond surviving graduates to see the changes that they go Gross. through in just four months. I'm like, you're doing what now? I know. I know. It isn't it. I mean, I mean, how fucking lucky are we? So sorry to drop the F bomb, but I can't even, it is effing lucky. It's not just lucky. Like that we get to be a part of people doing that, watching them do that, seeing them go from those places of feeling broken, feeling beat down, feeling like nothing's ever going to get any better. And then it is, it's like a, wait, what? You just sent me an email saying you just did what? Um, From things that feel so maybe minor, but they're really major to big, 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 big life changes. And I just, I get overwhelmed with it sometimes. The um, yeah, especially when I start getting like the baby pictures, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a baby beyond survivor, you know, like in the sense of this little child is going to get to grow up with an adult in their life that has these tools and is intent on, you know, sharing them and passing them down the breaking of those legacies of trauma and starting new legacies Mm. of thriving and health and nurturing and love and stability and strength. Um, It's beautiful. And I've certainly been witness to your growth and your, you know, coming of age in so many ways. You've seen me coming of age in a lot of ways, like Mm -hmm. Rachel grow up, you got to start paying attention to these things. Um, And Anywho, yeah, it's it's really fascinating to see that work and to see the journey that people go on. Um, yeah, man, mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's something that I feel like you and I haven't talked about a lot. And I, I'm just curious, like in terms of prevention, like I sometimes get mm-hmm. sort of sick of like talking about recovery. And I get really fired up about like, uh, I don't prevention. want to be yeah. like in this world of like you said, how many hundreds of people, like, it's just heartbreaking yeah. and empowering to be in such community. So is there anything like lately that you've been thinking about or have thought in the past in terms of like mm-hmm. how you see prevention of sexual abuse? When I think about this particular aspect, I'm so, so clear about why I am doing the work I'm doing in the part of the fight 
that I'm doing it because as soon as I start to think about prevention, like everything in me gets nauseous. Mm. Like I really shrink. Like I don't even know where to start. And that's not necessarily true. I have ideas. Mm. (laughs) I have thoughts on the matter, right. And perspective on the matter from my own experience and and from my, you know, years Mm -hmm. working in this field, but there's just like that world of how do we begin to decrease the actual acts of sexual violence and sexual trauma mm-hmm. like whoa it my i think my i think my mind literally just freezes Jocelyn. Wow. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, uh, i feel like you said it though in terms of interrupting the intergenerational cycle of trauma well, that's like, definitely that's a, a part huge of it part. it's a huge part i think that yeah for sure for sure so in some ways like it's an interesting thing. Oh, that's amazing. This is why I love you, Jocelyn. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I just got a point of clarity. Like I am actually working in the world of prevention yeah. through the lens of stopping patternings that lead to continued ongoing, you know, abuse trauma. I think I hold a somewhat. So now like, you can say sexual abuse prevention and recovery coach. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. You know, I think that what I'm really, really thankful for is that there are people who are super, super called to put their, all of their time and their energy focus on that piece of the problem. And I love the organizations that are out there, you know, doing that kind of work. And I find my, I think of my role oftentimes as being a supporter of those organizations and championing them and just leaning into them um, in ways that are that are really helpful wherever mm-hmm. I can. I mean, I, here's a question. I also, also want to say that like education and raising awareness through like True. social media platforms, through you sharing your story in all the myriad of ways, through a podcast, through a monologue, like you're constantly making like yourself and this work visible and that is prevention too because people share that material they learn from it they heal from it so I feel like yeah there's a lot more maybe to prevention maybe the term is like feels a little bit like maybe the term is too constrictive yeah actually that's what I was just starting to wonder is that Mm -hmm. like for me when I think about prevention I guess underneath all of that is I hold a general belief that we will never completely fully 100% stop sexual abuse or sexual trauma. So the lens that I often think about this through the like the actual problem for me is not stopping abuse from happening because my answer to that is I don't think that's doable. I don't think that's possible. But what I think is doable and what I think is possible is preventing long-term impact. And by way of that, I think there's a lot that we could do to make sure that the impact of trauma is minimized as much as reasonably possible by way of making sure that, you know, kids are really bolstered, kids are really shored up with knowing how to like take care of themselves in a moment of trauma, like how to get support, how to get resource, how to speak up, these sorts of things. Like if we could just make sure that there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of information out there um, then maybe we could prevent this from being the thing that people are talking about 30 years later after it's happened. Right. But instead, there's a more immediacy 
to Mm -hmm. the response and um, to the healing that can happen early on so that the lives uh, of those impacted by abuse and trauma aren't derailed for Mm -hmm. as long. Mm. Yeah, I I immediately thought of like male identified survivors and like your interest in making sure that there's a, a space and a place for male survivors in, in your work. And um, it's really impacted me in, in recent months, especially and feeling really called to like move and in, into that space more and recognize mm-hmm. like all the barriers for our, our brothers to, you know, identify as a survivor to get right. support, to get help. Um, so I'm just, I'm just thinking of like that, the outreach and awareness and yeah, the, yeah. the healing that can happen when we we realize like who's not showing up <laughs> to for exactly. coaching therapy or whatever it is. Yeah. Like what's, yeah. who's not here and why. <laughs> that is such a wow, yeah. It is so very true. One thing that I've really seen in this last year is 2020, I had the most male clients that I've ever had, like all in one, you know, in one year. So that tells me there's something shifting in the atmosphere for male survivors, very similar to, I think, for women, you know, decades ago, when there was this kind of, we're going to be seen, we're going to be heard, we're going to get support, we're going to demand that there become resources available to help us. I think men are in that part of of their journey. And of course, advocating for that and supporting that, I find, I absolutely think that's a huge part of my role. Um, And I think that also goes for women of color. I think we're seeing, you know, underserved populations there. And this is particularly daunting when we know that a high, high, high percentage of women of color experience trauma Mm -hmm. um, that outpaces um, other women. So this is a great question that you just posed, like who's not showing up and why? And through your lens of social justice, right? This is something you're so passionate about. This is one of the things that I love about being in conversation with you because I think you certainly have your finger on the pulse of social issues and like what's happening in the world around us. I can be a little bit in my bubble and like, okay, I've created my little world and these are the things that I do and this is how I do it. Um, but so what I always appreciate about our conversations is you cause me and make me like, look up, look around, (laughs) like take it all in. Um, so I'm just curious through your perspective, like, what are you seeing has been maybe some of the shifts and like, what are you hoping to see maybe, you know, next in this world of kind of social justice, awareness around sexual trauma, healing? Yeah, gosh, I I wish I had like a a one-liner to kind of sum, sum up that, that question. Just as you were talking, I was like thinking, are we going to talk about what's going on in the news today? It just feels like, I know I've said this to you before, but it's like overwhelming. I mm-hmm. think for a lot of people with trauma histories, it's really tempting to just turn it off entirely. I'm not speaking about you in this moment, but I do that like quite regularly because yeah. I just, don't know because I I care so much and I think a lot of us with trauma histories are like hypersensitive and have huge hearts and are helpers and sometimes want to take on the the burdens of the world and feel like that that calling to 
like pay attention to every like horrible tragedy going on mm, I know yeah growing up, my mom used to like run from room to room being like did you see that plane crash like I'm like there's a million people like you know there's so many issues and yeah. so I guess I just like in this moment I'm just feeling like struck by like yeah the amount of like pain I feel like I'm holding for for clients right now who mm. you know are bearing witness to these terrible transphobic like bills that are like yeah. just horrendous and I I'm thinking yeah. about like more black lives being taken in like incredibly heartless like mm-hmm. what was that oh I was just saying just yesterday and yeah yeah just yeah just yesterday and mm-hmm. yeah so the, the question feels like so important like what what do I what am I seeing or feeling and yeah. I'm just sort of like at a at a loss right now I know we all have like our own spheres of influence and like you said like our own lanes so I guess I'm still figuring that out for myself Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of like processing around my dreams lately not Mm -hmm. like what I'm sleeping dreams but like what I'm here on this planet to do nice and I have so many and I love just talking about like all of them so I'll be with my friends over the weekend and just keep talking about different dreams and I feel like they think I'm like like, I don't know, I'm like, well, didn't you just say you wanted to do this? And now you want to do that? Like, you know, just say but... I'm an extrovert. That's how it goes. Okay. <laughs> I just feel like I'm in a place of like possibility and expansion and growth. Yeah. And it, it feels really rich. Um, specifically, mm. um, like I feel really called maybe in part because of the pandemic to, to lean into like supporting healthcare workers and that's, mm. you know, folks professionals, providers, I don't love the word professionals, but people with lived experience who are in helping professions. Like there's, I was just watching a training this week about like self stigma and how many providers like don't get treatment because of their own internalized stigma and like thinking, oh, they should know how to do this. I should be okay. I do this for a living, like all that stuff. Yeah. 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 And and then like the first, the trainer didn't address the systemic reasons why people don't always take time off for treatment. Mm. Like I remember being up against that and being like, how the heck am I supposed to get to this like support group and work till five and just a lot. So I'm, I'm hopeful. Maybe I can be hopelessly optimistic sometimes, but that there will be more flexibility that comes out of the post-pandemic world, like whether it's work from home for many more people or just the realization that like all humans benefit from flexibility. Yes. So I'm kind of teetering into like another dream of mine around just like more universal access Mm -hmm. to systems and organizations Mm and like structures just being like yeah. trauma informed I like to say trauma aware so those are some of the things I'm feeling most passionate about right now like I've struggled so Love much with, with feeling like I need to I and like other people with intersecting marginalized experiences need to disclose and come out in different spaces that frankly aren't designed for us and aren't safe and that mm. we need to kind of like prove and justify like why we need x accommodation or why we deserve to be here yeah and what they find is that most accommodations in schools and the workplace are free it costs nothing <laughs> you know so well, yeah so exactly 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 so why have we gotten to this point where we think that it is we're giving you a gift you're not giving me a gift <laughs> like this is just how it's supposed to be like this is just let's just do the right thing. Let's just do the nurturing thing. 
and all will be well. I think what that really comes back to in so many ways is that we've really, really been sold a bill of good about scarcity. Mm-hmm. That only so many people get some. The rest of you are going to have to fight and claw at each other. And I, that is a social structure that makes sure that the elite stays the elite because they're in their own bubble. They're separated in a way. And if we're all fighting each other underneath that, then we're holding each other back. We're holding each other down. Right. Absolutely. And I I would, I would name that as part of like what I understand to be like a legacy of of white supremacy. And I, I know we're nearing like the end of our conversation almost, but I, I welcome anyone listening to provide any feedback or questions or, or share your comments about this. But I have been reading a book called White Rage and it talks about mm-hmm. the history of like black advancement. And just, it's just like, it's just, I have no words for how many years it has taken and continues to take for there to be any conversations around equity. And just, it made me think of my own experience of the more empowered I became as an advocate for those without a voice in the disabled community, those who have trauma histories, Mm -hmm. like the more threatened people with more power than me grew. Yes. Like the more I learned the language, I mean, there's just, I I feel bad or not bad, but I'm conscious of like centering my experience as a white woman and, and talking about white supremacy, but I'm really interested in learning more myself about the intersections. Mm -hmm. The more I learn and study ableism, the more I understand that there is no eradicating racism without eradicating ableism. And there's no eradicating ableism without eradicating racism. So yeah, in conclusion, there's no, there's <laughs> no higher there for y'all tonight, you know, have a good rest of your night. Yeah. And there, there's no here. hierarchy. Like I, I'm really, I'm, it's this so is, true. It's so true. Yeah. Well, and this all, it all plays together because in the world of sexual trauma, sexual healing, right. We're dealing with patriarchy. We're dealing with misogyny. We're dealing with the placement of women and women's bodies, men. Yes who are abused too, but that's coming through a different lens, right? That there's something else at work with that. Right. Um, and so it's also very interconnected. Mm. And in many ways, I was just reading um, an article about, you know, health, health and wellness in underserved communities and how people who are really doing that work in those communities are the first thing that they're fighting for is just to get healthy food to be accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, like when and when and how did we find ourselves in a world where you can't just get fruit? Like it's just it's literally not anywhere near your home and like the the structures that have been put in place, all the stuff that we're seeing that's going on around, you know, the the voting restrictions and rights. I could go on and on. You could go on and on. We get really passionate about this stuff because yeah. At the end of the day, it all is interconnected. Absolutely. And sometimes these solutions that seem so like, well, that's so small, but it it is a foundation and a stepping stone towards changing this. And then when that changes, that changes. And then when this changes, so just reiterating your point that it's also very interconnected. Right. Yeah. Um, and and we yeah. and we are like yes. you and I, you know, like the way we work together the non-hierarchical like relationship that I've experienced working together has been like so powerful for me. And I know that we're both very interested in like trauma informed workplaces. And Mm -hmm. I've shared so many 
resources around trauma-informed like supervision that I've found through the Boston Area Rape Crisis Center in the past couple of years that I've just found so powerful and inspiring. And I guess I just wanted to, to name that, like in terms of calling people in where you work, whatever sphere you exist in, like there's something that for me feels like a way that we can drop a rock in the in the water I'm mm -hmm. blanking on the, me the metaphor like the ripple effect that we, <laughs> yes, we can have okay. even when overwhelmed by these like enormous systems of oppression and like systemic yeah. oppression it's like oh my god just talking about it right now I'm like well this is why we sometimes have to tune out because how are we going to take a step forward but by me being able to say to you hey Rachel like what do you think about this and you're saying you know your ability to like not be defensive and mm, to hear mm. hear me not make you know assume the best intention like yeah. I just feel really grateful for that and I know a lot of people don't have that yeah. and I'm just I just wonder if you have any like wisdom on what has helped you to become a leader who can take feedback and keep an open mind no you're not like almighty like no, awesome. <laughs> Boss, lady. man well you know I think it's probably born out of having tons and tons of shitty bosses I mean you know people who talked down to me people who I would bring an idea or feedback and perspective and they would get super caught up and defensive and um and you know ultimately I it's probably a little bit of my country upbringing too. And, you know, certain values that my mom and my dad really expressed to me about, um, you know, about respect and about honoring other, the other people around you. And that leadership doesn't mean I am, um, you know, here to tell you what to do or to, but little you, but leadership. I mean, uh, I guess I'll have to quote Gordon Ramsay because he really is. I do have to give him some, it's ridiculous how much I, I've learned from this guy who so many people are like, oh, he's a terrible human being. But if you really watch him closely, he has so much awareness about the psychology of others and human beings. But here's what he says about leadership. He says, it's a really simple formula. Give people the skills they need to succeed. So you first have to train, you have to teach, you, you have to bolster them, make sure they know what they're doing. Don't just, you know, I think so many times I went into jobs and I was actually like made fun of or embarrassed for not knowing what I didn't know. I'm like, that's why I'm here, like to learn a job. Like, yeah, there are some things that I'm bringing to the table, but I still have to be trained. Mm -hmm. So give people the skills. And then he says, empower them, empower them to do their job. So that is me getting out of the way. You're not going to feel empowered if I'm constantly on top of you and telling you what to do and, you know, certainly shaming you for, for anything and then hold people accountable. So you have to be firm, but you have to also be compassionate. And so those are the things that, uh, those are the mindsets. Those are the values. I think that, um, drive and then result in the kind of working experience that we get to share and get to have together. Hmm. You just tie that up so so nicely. It's as if you like were so prepared for that question. <laughs> like you are firm and loving, and wow, you really like practice that skill. Who trained you in that? You know, but you're like you know you you really make lemonade from the lemons. And I, I really admire that and am trying to do that myself, like make something from the, 
the muck that I've been trudging through and it's like so easy to stay in it and just I, I feel like I'm still sort of untangling this web of like how everything has been connected and mm. just like there's just the processing of those experiences before I think you can make some magic from it and I know I've been making I've been you know taking steps in that direction but I I admire like just the way you I don't think that you probably had any training like specifically in what yours I mean I don't know you tell me like that it that it comes from this like experiential learning of yes. like this happened I'm not gonna yeah. do that yeah yeah no I've never I mean maybe I've read a few pages of a leadership book here or there but most of it is is coming just organically from the place of what ultimately is the underlying driving force in everything I do which is love I think that I grew up in a, a time and I grew up in a neighborhood and with people who loved the people they were working with my dad he worked at a zinc factory and you know, he would come home and tell stories about those guys, right? He would come home and we'd sit on the front porch and he would talk about his day, but he wasn't telling me about the work that he was doing. He's telling me, about, oh, you know, Bobby just got, you know, into a fight with his wife and then, but their, their kids are doing this over here and I'm going to go over here and help them out because, you know, their, their cousin just died. There was all of that. My mom, she was a business owner. It's so funny, Jocelyn, like when I was in, when I was building my business, I was running this whole story about, I'm so different from my family. Nobody gets me. I'm the first person in my family to do anything like this. And then one day I was talking about my mom and I was like, oh yeah, she was like a bookkeeper and she had her own clients. And then literally like lightning bolt, I'm like, uh, duh, Rachel, are you kidding me? Your mom was an entrepreneur. She ran her own business. I would come home from school, I would sit on her lap as she was doing her work. And when I was little, you know, or I would lay on the floor and color and play and she was there like getting shit done, you know, and she would take me with her sometimes to go to her clients. And I think I just witnessed it. So like through this osmosis, like they shared things, they, they gave each other gifts. There was this like, not, it was in, it, yes, there is a transaction. Yes, there is an exchange of money and services, but it was relationship. And so I think I just, it matters to me to keep that centered. I think it's one of the reasons why I don't let my business or want my business to get super big. You know, I'm working with a marketing team and there's this, you know, oh, you got to scale. Oh, you got to scale. You're like, no, I don't. No, I don't. Because I've seen over and over and over again, business owners who, when they scale, mm -hmm. your job stops being the work and your job starts being running the company. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to run a company. I want to be in the trenches. I want to be connected with people. I want to be in relationships. So whether that's my clients, whether that's in work with you as a beyond surviving coach and support to my, my clients, whether it's with my VA, whatever it is, I think that's what really ultimately matters uh, in the long run. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. It's amazing. I, I both feel like I've known you my whole life and feel like I know nothing about you. <laughs> like I'm just constantly learning from you and excited to continue to work together and blossom together it's it's such a joy to connect tonight and yeah there's always Thanks. so much more that I have to ask you I have like a whole list of three pages of questions and we were like 
let's just chat. So this is, this is, this <laughs> we'll is have like a question perfect. round someday. You could just, you know, uh, no, we can just, we is... could just bullet round questions, but no, I so enjoyed this. And um, I, I really appreciate just coming together tonight and having this conversation. It's always a sweet thing to connect with you, Eve. Absolutely. And so thank you for listening. If you want to learn more, you can visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore all the resources on the site. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast. We have so much more to share. Thanks for listening. Take care, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.